0: The Longbox Crusade presents Action Film Face-Off. This episode is 1980 versus 1992.
1: Two films enter. One film leaves.
2: How hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. I'm
1: Okay, welcome, 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 everybody to Action Film Face Off. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment, your best choice for hard-binding special comics or magazines or whatever you need bound. They do the best high-quality binding in the business, and they custom-design their covers, so, you know, everything you get for them is unique. Now, they are on a hiatus for now, because I like to think we brought them so much business that they got overwhelmed. They have a lot of projects to do. But their website is still open for business. Check out omahabound.com. You can buy prebound things, hard to find comics. Check out and see what Kickstarters they've got going on during this next year. So definitely stop by omahabound.com and go ahead and start getting those comics or magazines that you want to get bound together for when they open that back up later next year. omahabound.com. Check it out today. And of course, welcome to Action Film Face-Off, where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of the random years. I bring one from the other random year. Those two films do battle using a variety of criteria, and we will have a champion crown by the end of this episode. Let me introduce you to my brother, a U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq. It is Jason weasel skull Albrecht.
0: Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10. In five categories. What are those categories? You ask. You should already know. How many times have we done this? But okay, I'll do it again. You should know the order and then the incorrect order that we read them in the beginning. (laughs) That's right. Here's the incorrect order story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. Still not in that order. I'm waiting for Laurel to. Fix this. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) She doesn't work here. Is she on leave or something? Who approved her leave request? Oh, he's never going to get it. Oh, well, we'll just keep going. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determined is the low point of the movie. Well, let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq, and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared Albrick, a.k.a.
1: Death Pro. Thank you, Jason. Now, before I get to introducing that first film that you mentioned, it's uh, Mad Max, by the way, and the other film, which uh, is Under Siege, Enter into the Video Dome Arena. We are thrilled to kick... They saw it in the notes when they downloaded the episode. They saw the picture.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think they figured it out by now. The cat is meow out of the bag.
1: (laughs) We are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the folks that have joined our crusade to get early access to special long box episodes, extra content, voting on our show content, and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show.
0: And Helica Wolf. Bill Beer. Blaster Stashit.
1: Bob Busta. Braxton Underwood. David Collins, you might know him as Battlewagon. Battlewagon. The Duchess. Gene Hendricks.
0: Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven. I The Collector
1: Ivor Evans Jeremy L Jim Jarman Joe Thomas John Watson John and Maggie Jose Poyo, Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver Miranda W Skillope Oh, I'm sorry, I read that backwards. It's
0: Paul Hicks Rick from Jeff and Rick present, Ryan Daly Samantha Maney
1: <laughs> We're going full for Bill Gibson. I've got
0: a f- I'm feeling it. I'm going.
1: All right. Sean Abansky. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And one time, oh, very appropriate, by the way. And one time, donor Brad Moran from down under. He's going to feel like it's his next door neighbor just talking to him. I'm <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> the sad part is like, we're like convinced that these are good, but I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure Brad and uh, Paul <laughs> have other <laughs> thoughts on that their head in their hands right now we're like oh this is these are we're spot on
0: with this right we, we could expat <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right if we miss anyone on our list we apologize please keep in mind we record these episodes well in advance of release so if your recent edition we'll add you soon no worries let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. we'll get it straightened up and you know what you're probably not asking yourself this you probably just want to know how do i get in on this whole crusaders club thing i tell you it's easy you just go to patreon.com slash Crusade for as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're listening right now to Action Film Faceoff and you are not a Crusaders Club member, I'm going to make you a deal right now. The next person who's listening to this and goes and joins the Crusaders Club for as little as $1, buck, will get to pick an action movie for me to cover in an upcoming episode. So... Go drop your buck and you tell me what movie I'm gonna pick for an upcoming episode. I will do your request just for joining. How's that? Can I do it? No. <laughs> for reasons we've clearly stated multiple times. I figured it was worth a try. Yeah, but anybody else out there, if you if you jump in on that, make sure you let me know social medias at AFO Podcast or at Longbox Crusade on any of your social media platforms. You you let us know that you joined the Crusaders Club just to pick a movie. I'll get in touch with you. You can pick the film.
0: Because you know we were going to watch some Highlander if you let me join, right?
1: (laughs) I wouldn't have any problem with that. I love (laughs) Highlander.
0: Anyway, back to you, Jason. Well, let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film gladiators about the battle for your pleasure.
1: Ah, yes. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1980, and I've selected Mad Max starring Mel Gibson. What year did the randomizer select for you? Well, it was the glorious
0: year of 1992, and I put into our Video Dome Arena, Under Siege, starring Steven Seagal and Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Oh, that's a fine matchup. Fine matchup, indeed. It's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might like his selection better than mine, vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films, coming to a consensus on which one is going to be this episode's champion. It only took us, what is this, 28 episodes to start telling you guys where you can find these things before the spoiler warning. <laughs> so just so you know, we're, we'll share with you how we watched them on each episode. I'll tell you right now, I watched Mad Max. I already had the DVD, so that's how I watched it. But Under Siege was available on both YouTube and Amazon Prime, I want to say for four bucks. I watched it on Amazon Prime, paid four bucks. Jason, how did you watch these films?
0: I saw Mad Max on Netflix. Uh, It's streaming on Netflix, if you have it. I actually had the DVD for Under Siege, so I just threw that in the old DVD player. Went old school on that one.
1: All right. With that, let's get into our spoiler warning, folks. We've told you where to find them, if you haven't seen them. I mean, you have to get the Mad Max DVD from me and the Under Siege DVD from Jason. (laughs) But seriously folks, we're going to spoil the heck out of these things. I'm quite certain. So, on the other side of this Richard Marx music break, we're going to come back and spoil them. So, if you haven't seen them, pause here, go watch them. We'll meet you on the other side of the music break.
2: Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you.
1: Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those fine action films. Now, let me jump in with some quick info on 1980's Mad
2: Max. Tomorrow, in a world gone mad, the only law will be a renegade squad of suicidal cops. He's my prisoner, and he's not walking out that door. And the open road will be controlled by gangs of glory roaders. Max is a cop. One of the best. Where does out to get you? Scoot jockeys? Yeah, no man trash. Hmm. Well, I'll add it to my trade collection. <laughs> he was awaiting you made the the music. charges relating mm. to the slaying of a main force patrol officer Who was he? in a road blockade mm. accident. Just another glory rotor, I guess. Toe Cutter is a glory rotor, one of the most sadistic. Anything I say, anything you say, what a wonderful philosophy you have. Take him away. <laughs> I want my baby. You've not got a sense of humor. Please don't hurt my baby. You've got a pretty face, though. Both want the other dead. <laughs> But only one can have his way. Bring it, bring it. Mad Max. You don't want to make Max mad. Cause when Max gets mad, he gets even. American International presents Mad Max, the maximum force of the future.
1: Mad Max star Mel Gibson, Joanne Samuel, and Hugh Keyes-Byrne. It was directed by George Miller, and here is your synopsis. In Australia's not-too-distant future, life is starting to get wild. Gangs of roving bikers traverse the countryside doing pretty much whatever they please and not caring about the consequences. The police force is doing all it can to stop the menace, but they're stretched thin and no one seems to want to help them. One of their best officers is Max Krakotansky, and the stress is getting him too. In fact, he was going to leave the force right up until Toe Cutter's bike gang made things personal. Here's your trivia for this. This is an interesting one because you might have called BS on me at the beginning of this episode because although commonly thought of as a 1980 movie here in the United States, this movie is actually released in 1979 in Australia. So it's technically a 79 movie and I cheated. Well, you're a cheater. Right. I think we can establish that.
0: Ooh, All right. That. I'm still trying to get over like, did I know his name was Rakitasky?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one ever remembers the, uh, what Was it? Rakitansky. Rakitansky, 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 Rakitansky. <laughs> All right, trivia fact number two the get out of jail free card that Goose gives the triker was an on set joke because of the limited budget. The biker gang was an actual biker gang called the Vigilantes, and they had to ride to set each day in costume, which often included their prop weapons prominently <laughs> displayed. So, since the production company expected them to be pulled over by local police on their daily commute. Each one of them was given a letter explaining the film's particular requirements and asking for law enforcement's understanding and cooperation. (laughs) I read that in the script. That cracked me up. (laughs) (laughs) Some hardcore acting going on in in the land down under. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And finally, George Miller raised the money for Mad Max by working as an emergency room doctor. How much money was it, you ask? I think they did this movie for $350,000. There you have it. Yeah, that kind of (laughs) showed. I don't know, for that much, I think they did pretty good. I mean, that's a lot of long nights working in the emergency room, I
0: guess. (laughs) No, you could really tell that this one was on a budget, but the director did a really good job of making some clever choices along the way and stretching Mm -hmm. that buck.
1: And we'll get into that, I'm sure, in a few minutes. I'm sure we will. And with that, I'm going to hand it back to you.
0: I will now give you all the rundown on 1992's Under Siege. And I'm just going to say right off the top, this is my favorite Steven Seagal movie. They're all classics, of course. I'm joking, but
1: (laughs) but I really Uh, like this one. It's a couple that I like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about it.
2: It was the final voyage of America's mightiest battleship. What's on this helicopter? This little sweetheart. Missed July 89. God, I love this business. I love you. The party was wild. Love you again. They really knocked him dead. Imagine this arsenal of tactical nuclear weapons falling into the wrong hands. The Pentagon never did. Four minutes ahead of schedule. Damn, I'm good. Now, a team of terrorists have taken over. Wake up the president. But there's just one thing they didn't count on the cook are you like some special forces guy or something no i'm just a cook oh my god we're gonna die this is not the work of a cook i want you to coordinate your efforts with us yes sir i see that you completely disobeyed my orders roger that Ryback is an ex-seal Expert in martial arts Explosives Stand fast Weapons and tactics I also cook The Nimitz is tracking two Tomahawks just launched from the Missouri Where are they headed? Honolulu Happy trails Stephen Seagal I know you, don't I? Tommy Lee Jones Been a long time Under siege.
0: The cast and crew included Bernie Casey and some other people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only. <laughs> I would have loved to seen that. Not enough Bernie Casey screen time. Uh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah,
0: yeah. Anyway, cast and crew included Steven Seagal, Gary Busey, Tommy Lee Jones, and Erica Eleniac. It was directed by Andrew Davis. And here's your synopsis. An insane covert operative and his private army hijack a nuclear-armed USS Missouri to hold the world hostage. Aided by a traitorous executive officer, the bad guys have thought of everything. Everything, that is, except for the cook, who is also a SEAL. Aided by a stripper and a ragtag crew, it doesn't take long for the bad guys to have the fruits of victory turned into a turd sandwich, a sandwich served on rye back. Get it, rye uh, Yeah. I like thought it. a long time of that joke. I <laughs> thought I should get at least a chuckle. Anyway, <laughs> don't appreciate my comedy. So here's my trivia. So Harrison Ford enjoyed this movie so much that it made him decide to work with Andrew Davis on The Fugitive.
1: Oh, Andrew Davis did The Fugitive. He Got sure
0: it. did. Good flick. Yeah, also good flick. I haven't really heard of Andrew Davis, but I guess I've seen a few of his
1: movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's because he's got like that common name, Andrew Davis. It doesn't stick in your brain, right? But <laughs> right. he's made a couple of movies we like. Mm-hmm. My second fact
0: is that the USS Missouri in this film is actually the USS Alabama, and many scenes were filmed in Mobile, Alabama. That's for you, Jerry. Hey, that's
1: just down the road from me a piece.
0: Mm-hmm. I've been on the USS Alabama. That's a fun little tour.
1: I've spent the night on the USS Alabama.
0: Always got to one-up me, don't you? Mm, no, it was a terrible experience, but <laughs> we'll talk about that later. And finally, Under Siege is the only movie Steven Seagal has starred in that is certified fresh on Rotten
1: Tomatoes. Uh, clearly, they didn't see Marked for Death.
0: Yeah, or Above the Law.
1: <sighs> Some fine films there that they've... Uh, all right, we'll, we'll, Out for Justice?
0: Yes. It's funny, it's like all of his movies have three three word word titles or three (laughs) syllables. Under siege, out for justice, bark for death. I want paid.
1: I actually have a collection. As you know, I kind of collect bad Seagal movies, like anything post about
0: 1994 or so. When was his last good one, would you say? Personally, I would say Exit Wounds, I enjoyed. Was that before or after Under Siege 2 Dark
1: Territory? Because I like Dark. Okay. Yeah. Exit Wounds Territory. was good. Dark Territory was like 95, I want to say. Glimmer Man wasn't bad either. I haven't seen that one, but I, did I don't know see, which one came first. I did see Exit Wounds, which was about 2000, 2001. I think it was with him and like DMX. Yeah. <laughs> I remember and that. And I was like, this is actually better than I thought it would be. <laughs> bar wasn't too high for
0: that one they cleared it (laughs) certain expectations anyway now that we have the basics on today's contestants here we go
2: ladies and gentlemen test your might Uh, let's get
1: it's time it is finally time well let's just get a few things out of the way before the blood starts to fly in the video dome arena which may or may not have spikes in it first of all play the game within the game play match game we've got two films five rounds apiece which means jason and i could possibly match scores up to 10 times on this episode i don't know his scores he doesn't know my scores let's find out how many matches do you think it'll be Hmm. go ahead and jot that down. Or if you're driving, just, you know, remember it and (laughs) and count along the way. We'll try to give you a reminder at the end. Also, the score barometer. How does the scoring work around here? Well, as Jason said earlier, it's one to ten. Five is average. Five is the middle. It means it's okay. You know, you'd see it on a TV movie. It's entertaining. It just, it gets its job done. You start going up from there, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got yourself a good movie. Eh, Four, three, two, one. We're talking forgettable to downright bad. There's your barometer. With that, let's get into round one.
2: Prepare to meet Kali in hell.
1: Round one is the story. How engaging and or original is your story? Jason, talk to me about Mad Max.
0: Well, first off, I think we have to acknowledge that Mad Max was a trendsetter. This was the movie that introduced me to Mel Gibson as an actor it introduced me to Mad Max as a character. So it deserves some special consideration. I think we mentioned a little bit earlier that the film is on a very tight budget, right around $350,000. So it relies on the story a lot. It can't rely on a whole lot of spectacle. It has to rely on character development and story. And I think this film delivered rather well. Well, above what I would think would be expectations from 1979, 1980. I think it had the elements of a good, good action movie, but a good drama. Like I said, some really compelling characters. I'd watched this film when I was a kid back in, well, it was probably about 80, 81 when I first saw it. As a kid, you know, there wasn't quite enough action in it for me. But as I watched it again here recently for this podcast, I had to admit, it had some really great supporting characters. The concept was really good. And the Australian backdrop, I'm gonna be quite honest, you know. Sorry, Paul, I kind of figured that's what Australia is like anyway. So just naturally, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Paul Paul's listening to this show right now in his car, doing 120 miles an hour. Yelling nonsense into a speaker. Well, toe cutter! Toe cutter! Aye, aye, I'm the night Rider! <laughs> Waiting for Doom! But at any rate, you can expect a pretty decent score for me for story on this one. No surprise. I think we had similar thoughts on it. I remember seeing this when I was younger and uh, flat out just not really liking it because by the time I'd seen it, I'd seen Road Warrior already. I'd seen Beyond Thunderdome, and I was like, this just looks like a low-rent version of these two good Mad Max movies. That was Young Jared. And I found it completely forgettable. It was kind of like, you know, Evil Dead versus... Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness, yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison. And so that's Young Jared. Now, as I went back and watched it this time, it was almost like I watched it for the first time. I only remembered very few select things. Like I said, to me, it was forgettable. But I think this movie has aged really well for two reasons. One, I like the fact that they did the a few years from now, the not too distant future, just far enough in the future to make it weirder and to give them room to play with, but not so far that they exceeded their budget, (laughs) their budgetary constraints. I thought that was very clever, almost like an alternate timeline. And then I think the thing that helps it most now is you know having seen Road Warrior, Beyond Thunderdome, and Fury Road. Watching it now feels like exactly what it is. I'm watching the origin story of how we got from here to Fury Road. I like that. I feel like it's a great stripped-down, basic telling of where Max comes from and why he is the way he is. I think that's wonderful. So, yeah, I for a real basic and simple stripped-down story with not a lot of budget, it's going to get a decent score from me as well.
0: Another thought that I had was the use of the sets. It was obvious that because the budget was so low that they had like really rundown buildings, it looked like abandoned buildings that they were working out of and things like that. But the story made that fit. Mm-hmm. Then the director did a good job of saying like this police force is on the ragged edge of existence. Yeah. Right. It really was. So they barely have power in the buildings Their mechanics cobbling pieces together from other cars. Comparing that to John Carpenter's The Thing, another low-budget movie, but, you know, they make do with what they have, but it just, the story makes that, almost makes that low-budget a plus.
1: Mm -hmm. It It adds
0: character. It adds, yeah, it adds wear and grime and real character, and I felt kind of the same way with this movie. That's fair. How did you feel about
1: Under Siege?
0: Under Siege is a very basic plot, kind of over-the-top plot if you really think about it. Or even if you think about it a little bit, I I would recommend that you don't. (laughs) I've got things to say about it, yeah. Yeah, I've got holes to poke in this one. Yeah, there's probably a few holes to poke. I don't know if any of our listeners are former Navy, but they're probably going to want to just be shaking their head throughout this whole thing. But I just really love this movie. I think it's Steven Seagal's best work, and maybe that's not setting the bar too high, but this is actually a really good, entertaining movie and Steven Seagal does a good job. It's got Bernie Casey in it. It's got Bernie Casey, son! Not enough Bernie Casey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But he's there, so that's good. As much as I like this movie, I think the story is... It's pretty basic. Bumped up a little bit through the direction and through the performances of the actors. I had to kind of rein in my my love for this one and give an honest assessment of the score for the story.
1: Yeah, I... I think i read somewhere where the production team themselves like the people who actually made this film referred to it as die hard on a boat
0: <laughs> i think that's how they uh, sold it yeah that's how they <laughs> sold it i mean i think they're unapologetic about it and yeah let's be honest this is building off the success
1: of die hard of the die hard clones of which there were no shortage there for a while this one is upper tier i am not nearly as enamored with this one as you are i can already, t- already tell. Two things I think working against it. One is, you know, this was in the big Van Damme Seagull. which kind of guy are you phase. And I was a Van Damme guy. I like Seagull, but I like Seagull when he's doing lots of martial arts stuff. And there's very little martial arts in this movie. There's some, but for a Seagull movie, it's light on the martial arts, but it does well as a thriller. Just as a military thriller. Suspend your disbelief. Well, (laughs) I'm going to push back a little bit because I
0: I liked it because there weren't as many martial arts in this one.
1: I can understand that. Like I said, it works really well as a thriller, but it's just in my head, it's like Steven Seagal needs to be doing kung fu-y things, keto things. I think keto was his specialty. And and there's just not enough of it for me, but I, I don't think you're wrong about that. It's just, you know, different flavors for different folks. But I'll be interested to see how this whole column goes on our score sheet as far as the match games go let's find out let's get some scores so the story of mad max on a scale of one to ten jason
0: i think the story is one of the strongest elements of this film and it's well above average like we said could i give this a five no no way in heck can't give it a five i landed on a seven for story on this one Strong
1: start out of the gate if you're match game fans, because I also scored it a seven. <laughs> Same reasons. Strip down to basic, but sometimes that works in your favor. You know, I think we both probably gave it a bump up for planting the seeds for a pretty good franchise. Under Siege, one to ten. Jason, what do you got?
0: Well, as much as I enjoy this movie and I enjoy the heck out of it, I had to be honest. Number one, this is a diehard clone. It's unapologetically a diehard clone, but a diehard clone it is. So it's not going to get a little, lot of points for originality. But it did have good characters, and I love the backdrop of the battleship. So I gave it slightly above average. I landed on a six.
1: We are two for two on Match oh, Game. Really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if, you had, if you had two as your Match Game guess, well, you've already met your maximum. We'll see how it goes from here. But I gave it six. Same reasons. And that's the end of my round.
2: You got my ass kicked.
1: The Hero. How cool is the hero? Do you want to grow up
0: to be the hero like we did with James Bond, who is obviously a 10 all the time? I don't care if it's Sir Sean from Dr. No or Sir Sean from Diamonds Are Forever. Grab <laughs> on that toupee. Put that get girdle your, on. Get, get your 10. And get your 10. Just get your 10. You know what? Roger Moore, review to a kill. I'm giving him a 10. You're right? Yep. <laughs> a view to a 10. How's that view of this 10 right there? But at any rate, let's talk about the hero... Mad Max from Mad Max. What would you think of that one, Jared?
1: He's iconic. He started a a franchise. What I like most about Mad Max and the whole franchise is it's always very unassuming. It's not a franchise that's like Star Wars or Indiana Jones. It's just kind of like, oh, there's Mad Max over there. And what makes it work is Max, clearly. I mean, that's the title of all these movies. (laughs) Mad Max this, Mad Max that. Mad Max is an interesting hero because just like this movie itself, sometimes simple is good. He's stripped down. He's just a guy trying to do the right thing. He's conflicted about it. And then everything is taken from him. And all he's got left is his hate and his fury. This movie, like I said, is a great origin film for the rest of the series. I almost feel like people should watch it two, three, four, one. I think that you get more enjoyability watching the character in that arc to go back and see where he came from. I right? but yeah, Max himself for a basic stripped down character, he's gonna get a pretty good score from me just for his iconic nature. What about you? Yeah, I remember as a kid
0: seeing the movie poster this in the theaters just thinking about how baller Mad Max looked in that poster holding that shotgun dressed up in that leather and everything. Just look in the business You know, when I first saw the movie, I wanted to see this larger-than-life hero just dealing death to all these villains. And that's Uh not what you really get here. Like you said, you get this guy that's doing a dangerous job. You know, he's a police officer on the back roads of the Australian Outback somewhere. They've got all these crazy gangs just rolling around. He's one guy in the car. You get the sense that these folks that are trying to keep the peace, they're outnumbered they're underfunded, they're tied up in bureaucratic red tape. It's a lot of stuff that just brings a lot of realness. You get this sense of frustration. And the only piece he really gets, the place where he's really happy is with his wife and kid. And I think I should say I don't remember the name of the actor who played his wife, but what a spectacular job she did too. You know, she was beautiful, she was confident, Just great chemistry. You could see her as the wife of the lead character. You know, these are things I didn't really appreciate it. You know, and I'm like 10, 11 years old. I want just to see bullets fly and cars doing things that I used to do with my Hot Wheels, you know. You know, but this isn't Fast and the Furious. This is Mad Max, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So, yeah, I really had to reconsider my views on, on Mad Max as I watched it again here decades later. I realize what a great character they really created here.
1: So Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning too. We often, you know, in the hero category lump in something like the heroes. I thought Goose was he kinda of deserved his own movie. I really like it.
0: Yeah, I really <laughs> oh, love Goose. I don't know why I didn't remember Goose from the
1: Yeah. Much he's years great. Ago. And the captain, who, you know, how many guys do you know that can rock a no-shirt plus Ascot look and look tough and baller like? While well,
0: he's watering his plants. While
1: he's water watering his plants, clearly. Yeah, like, you know, was I, a, I was like, this is a complicated man right here. Okay, dude who I'm pretty sure could kill me in the blink of an eye. <laughs> that dude was Jack too. He looked like the bad guy that Harrison Ford fought in yeah. <laughs> plane. Yeah. Imagine that guy, shirtless. Well, he was shirtless. Plus Ascot, plus watering his plants. <laughs> well, didn't he have like a, a like one of those walrus mustaches? Mustache, too? Yeah. He was this a guy who was something. <laughs> he looked yeah. like a comic book character. Very cool ensemble of cops. I mean, even like the B team cops, you know, that were chasing along with at the beginning, they all had no quit. They all absolutely were a brotherhood checking in on each other and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, what a great little team they put together. Boy, yeah, let's give a shout-out to Goose. You know, one of my favorite scenes, and
0: I don't know if we'll get to it anywhere else in here, because it wasn't really an action scene, but it was when he arrested that one cat, and then the lawyer gets him off, and the cat starts taunting him, like, oh, it's too bad, Goose. Like, Goose just, like, starts whooping his ass.
1: And, and the guy's like... <laughs> I have it down oh, as my my favorite action scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind, I'll shut <laughs> up then. I'm just kidding. I was going to do that as a joke later on. I say that's actually my favorite action scene. But no. I was
0: like, yeah. And that guy, like, he had to beg him off, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he did it again. He did it, like, three times. He got his ass whooped three times by Goose. <laughs> I'm like, you just shut up and walk out of there, man. Just be glad you're not arrested. But, yeah, Goose was, like, ah, Goose was my favorite. I want a Goose action figure <laughs> with removable cast. <laughs> Anyway, getting off topic here a little bit. Let's talk about the hero from Under Siege, Steven Seagal, Casey
1: Ryback. What'd you think? I like Casey Ryback just fine. I will agree with you. This is peak Seagal. This is when he's, I think, looks the best. I think this is, you know, him with a decent script and good action scenes, good story. And that all reflects well upon the character. I think Casey Ryback is a likable character who got at least one sequel. I'm not sure if there were more than two Under Siege movies. I think there were only two. He was good. And then, like we talked about before, we do tend to award bonuses for good ensembles. I really liked the ragtag group that he ended up putting together, my favorite of which being the guy that was just there for the reunion, the Gunner's mate who was, like, from the World War II era. (laughs) Just get it done, man. (laughs) i was doing laundry at desert storm Yeah. yeah yeah he had didn't have a lot to work with but i thought it was a fun fun little crew obviously you like it better than me so go ahead and tell me your thoughts on uh seagal in this yeah i think steven seagal
0: you know god bless him how how the mighty have fallen you know he's still around doing whatever he does but Back in 1992, he was definitely on top of his game. He was in great shape. He's not a big Arnold Schwarzenegger muscle-bound guy, but he kind of like he kind of reminds me of our grandfather a little bit, you know, just that mm. you know, that type of physique. His muscles, you know, they're not for show muscles. they're for real muscles. He can be intimidating. he really exudes confidence, like a real confidence that I think really made that ragtag crew work. Good chemistry between the bros on the ship and Jordan Tate, the stripper, and just being able to carry those scenes. The scenes where he's kind of squaring off against the uppity officer, the little Ensign Taylor, whatever his name was. Those were really, really good. I do, I I do
1: not support that in any way. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. It's, you know what, though? No. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. We're going to yes. do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. You know what? I, this is going to be my rant for plenty of these movies. Just strap in for it. Like, I get it. It's such low-hanging fruit to pick on the lieutenant or the ensign. You know, and clearly, I've been an officer, so this is near and dear to my heart. But, like, it's so tropish at this point. At this point, I just reward movies where the lieutenant or the ensign or, you know, the junior officer is at least just competent or at least not a coward. Because, like, every movie writes them that way. It drives me nuts, man. Because I was lieutenant, and all I was thinking the entire time I was lieutenant was: a, don't screw this up; b, listen to the guys; and c, for the love of God, protect them. These are your people, and that's what real lieutenants do. Well, most
0: of the officers on the ship thought that exact same way, but we've all known that one lieutenant, and that was it that shows one up le-
1: in every movie. <laughs> that was that one lieutenant. I'm sorry, they
0: can't all be Bernie Casey, Jared. You got to have the Instant Taylor, and I thought that was funny. And I thought, too, that there was really kind of this mystery about what really did happen they got Casey back in so much trouble that the only thing they could do is stick him on a battleship and make him a cook. Oh, well, surprise,
1: surprise, he assaulted an officer.
0: Yeah, who would have guessed? guessed? <laughs> but the captain had mad love for him, too. So there was obviously some backstory there. There's a lot of stuff there. And I think that that's the basis of a good character. Makes you want to know a little bit more about this guy. I guess we're going to get some in the deduction round for the Ensign Taylor scene. I, no,
1: I, I actually won't. There are deductions coming, but not for that. I will say this, though. In Casey Ryback's defense, the best thing that the writers did for that was to throw in those just a little bit of charming lines every once in a while. Like when he was locked in the freezer, he was like, you can hear me out there private. You know what the right thing to do is. Get my pies out of the oven. (laughs) (laughs) That was excellent. Yeah. That made him very likable.
0: I think the director did a good job handling Steven Seagal, gave him some good lines, and really brought the best out of him, too. So I definitely think this is one of the best works that Steven Seagal has done in his film career. But having said all that, let's score him. How many points are you
1: going to give Mad Max in Mad Max, Jared? On a scale of 1 to 10, Mel Gibson as Mad Max and Mad Max gets a nice solid 8 from me with Ooh. room to grow in future Mad Max films. I didn't go quite that high. I didn't go
0: quite to an 8. Uh, you're right, though. He does have room to grow, and I thought Mel Gibson did a solid job coming out of the gate. I landed on a 7. Close,
1: but no match game. Uh-huh. What about Under Siege? Little Stevie Siegel. What did you give him? I have a funny feeling we're going to be flipping these because i gave sam seagal a seven for under siege and i feel like an eight is bubbling out of you in just a minute
0: no sir no sir we have a match game i gave him a seven as well i think at the end of the day when i looked at these two films i said we've got mel gibson At the start of his brilliant career, you know, recently we've had some backsliding, but let's not go into that. (laughs) Just look at the work. Just look at the work. Look at the body of work. But I thought we had Mel Gibson at the start of his career. We had Steven Seagal
1: right at the height of his career. So I thought they were pretty much both on par at a seven. Match game number three. Okay. Speaking of threes, let's get into round three. Got you at a bad time. Round three is the villain. How menacing, how entertaining, how memorable is your villain? Jason, I will let you start with the Toe Cutter. Hmm. It's, like a, it's like a dumb name that grows yeah. on you over time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was, again, trying to wonder, how did he get that name? Yeah, I think that's like the
1: hallmark of a good name because you're like, Toe Cutter. Okay. <laughs> the first time you hear it, you're like, that's dumb. <laughs> then you start to buy it after a while. <laughs>
0: Well, the first time these cats came on screen, I hearkened back to. Do you ever see any which way but loose? I have. Remember the little motorcycle gang from Every Which Way But Loose? That's what they reminded me of. <laughs> I don't know if like I'm really intimidated by these guys, especially when they come at with like a bunch of rouge and eye makeup, and it's. Just like these guys are like crazy. a Prince had a biker
1: game. Yes, exactly, right. <laughs> you know, I'd listen to their album, I'd probably enjoy it, but I'm not afraid of them in a street fight. <laughs> but those cats could bowl, man.
0: <laughs> but after a while, after they've done some very horrendous stuff, which we will probably get into in a little bit here, they really did start to seem quite dangerous and quite intimidating. And I think there was just this feeling of unpredictability, almost kind of had like a jokerish vibe yeah, so- to them, where you didn't know exactly what they were going to do. And that in itself made them very scary. I think that there could have been more done with them. I didn't get a lot of satisfaction from the resolution. Uh, In the final act. But overall, I mean, this was kind of probably the the most complicated score for me from this movie was was the villain. Kind of came on underwhelmed. Kind of grew into him a little bit. And then by the third act, I was like, eh, it was a little underwhelming. (laughs) The Final confrontation. I'll shut up and let you tell me what you think.
1: I'm going to agree with you. I thought while they do present a menace, one of the things I mentioned in this category is how memorable is your villain? And when I think back on Mad Max villains, I can clearly think of Master Blaster. Master Blaster, yes. Uh, Joe from Fury Road. I don't remember his name, but the, you know who, who I'm thinking of from Road Warrior. Like, the, he's a giant dude with the black muscle bow. Like, what, I can't remember his name. I don't remember his name either. I could pick him out of a lineup in a heartbeat. If you had asked me before I rewatched this, like, who is the villain? I would have said Toe Cutter. And you would have said, tell me one thing about him. And I would have been like, you got toes, <laughs> got a motorcycle. I think the actor gave it is all with a crazy Joker like performance, but just something didn't stick. You know, maybe you have to have two eyebrows for it to stick with me. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you on that. I have a feeling we might be close on score again. Take it to Under Siege. I think we're going to see a boost in the villainry
0: score in Under Siege. Oh, man. Tommy Lee Jones was just on top of his game in 1992. This guy was in every movie in the 90s, and you can see why. Again, kind of like we said with Casey Ryback, with the hero, there's obviously some backstory here, and you want to know what it is. And there's a couple moments during the movie where you get the sense of, I don't know exactly what the CIA did to this guy, but I'm kind of getting the sense that maybe they have this coming to (laughs) him. Yeah, they definitely hinted that this was their fault. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that they were involved in this in some way, shape, or form. I mean, and that's kind of one of the strengths of the movie. They they give you a little bit, but you don't really know. And that adds just enough level of complexity to the character to make them interesting. And then you just have the natural humor of Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> just one of my favorite scenes in the movie with Tommy Lee Jones is when Gary Busey's character is dressed in drag and going through the file. He's like, listen to this. Listen to this.
1: <laughs> Do I look like the kind of guy who needs a psyche vap?
0: No. Not at all.
1: <laughs> it's just the way he's going that line. It's just like. <laughs> i rolling. That's, that's that was perfect. Gold, man, gold. Nobody does the deadpan comedy delivery like he does. I mean, that's what makes Men in Black work. You know, Will Smith is the zany, funny, exuberant personality, but what makes Tommy Lee Jones so funny is that he's not funny. He's the deadpan
0: delivery guy. Right? Yes. <laughs> and again, when you talk about Menace, there's that scene where they're rounding up all of the sailors and they have them in line. And then the one sailor decides he's going to try to be a hero and break the line, gets knocked out. And then Tommy Lee Jones kills him and then kills the guy that was standing next to him. And he says, let that be a lesson. If you resist, we will kill you and the man next to you. And just the way he delivers that line is like, Oh, this guy's serious, man. So it's kind of believable, right? Cause you know, at first I'm like, how are all these tough sailors going to be rousted by just a couple guys? And exactly. That's, and that's how. It's like, okay, oh well, now it's not just my life that's on the line. I can get my buddy killed, too.
1: Exactly. That scene was so necessary because when I was watching this, and I hadn't seen it in years, that's exactly what was going through my head. I was making my action film face-off notes, and I was like, this is stupid. No way a United States sailor is going to let these people take a ship from them. Period. They're going to fight back." Take their boat. They are going to fight back to the last man. And they needed that scene. Because right when I was like, I've had enough of this crap, they did that scene. And that was good writing. Because the one thing that would make me hesitate was, I don't mind sacrificing myself, but I don't want to get my buddy killed.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, Tommy Jones just delivered that performance
1: so brilliantly. Yeah. He was great. It's a Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Busey, double stuffed Oreo, man. (laughs) These are two (laughs) of the greats. Right there. They're both really good at villainry, although Tommy Lee Jones plays a really good hero too, but they both have great screen personality, great chemistry. At some points, I was just like, I don't know that you need the two of them, but yet I'm thankful that they're both here. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really an
0: attribute to both of those actors too, because they did share a lot of screen time between the two of them. And and you could almost say they were co-leads for villains in some ways. You know, Tommy Lee Jones was obviously the mastermind, but Gary Busey had an awful lot of screen time too. And in his interactions with the captain, you could really tell, you know, the captain didn't really care for him that much. The crew just kind of despised him and Gary Busey just sold it. The one scene I remember with him was when he's with that private after they lock right back into the freezer and he says, if Ryback tries to escape, you shoot him right here. And he like taps him like real hard on the forehead. Just kind of that over the top. I'm just such a jerk. I'm just going to manhandle everybody. Only Gary Busey could do it to that, <laughs> to that extent and really get away with it. But yeah, he does a
1: solid job as well. Definitely. Let's get to some scoring. Let's go back to Mad Max, Toe Cutter and crew. One to 10. What do you got?
0: Ah, this is, I really struggled with this one, Jared. I kind of wanted to give it a five because the ending was kind of underwhelming. But then there were some scenes in there that really had me rethinking it. So I just landed on a six. I said slightly above
1: average for the villain on this one. Match game number four. I also gave it a six for the same reasons just above average. Just just memorable enough, but not super memorable for me. Now, let's go over to 1992's Under Siege. You've got the sort of one-two punch power of Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey. That's, uh, that's a duo right there. One to ten, what do you got? Man, I didn't even really
0: have to debate this at all. I watched this movie I wrote eight down right away.
1: And don't regret it one bit. Match game number five. I <laughs> also have it as an eight, really good, really good villain performances. You know, we gave them eights, heroes got sevens. This is one of those movies where the villains a little bit outshine the hero, just a little bit. But I mean, it's Busey and Tommy Lee Jones. That's a, it's a hard combo to beat for villainry, man. That is.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to take us into round four. Get over here. And round four is the spectacle. So, how cool is the spectacle? You know, we're talking the effects, we're talking stunts, we're talking backgrounds, we're talking soundtrack. What do you think of the spectacle for Mad Max, Jared?
1: I have what I would think is going to be a surprisingly high score for spectacle. It really comes down to the automotive stunt work. There is a lot of automotive Well, not a lot, but there's a fair amount of automotive stunt work and it's all really good. Then I factor in cinematography, which, you know, they're basically doing guerrilla filmmaking on this. But yet, like we talked about before, just getting every mile out of it that they can. I love the design of the uniforms. I love the design of the cars. Overall spectacle, just engaging experience. It wasn't too long The movie was, I think, right around 90 minutes, which is just where it needs to be. Yeah, this one's going to get a solid score for me on Spectacle. Even though it has a low budget, I think they did well with what they had.
0: Yeah, I kind of went middle of the road with Mad Max with mine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, I I should have done that intentionally. (laughs) (laughs) And this brings me to my next point. Don't run down the middle of the road when you're running away from a bunch of bad guys on motorcycles. Make a left through that field. <laughs> your odds are so much better. And don't anyway. get out of your car. I mean, yeah. <laughs>
0: really, your car is going to protect you. Did that Dirty Harry movie teach us nothing?
1: Yeah. Nothing? Anyway, uh, I got us off track. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll get us back on the road. So, yeah, I went kind of middle of the road with Spectacle with Mad Max. I kind of went back and forth. And there was some good car stunt work in here. I think they kind of blew their budget in the first act. Like that first car chase. Yeah, I think
1: they were really oh want to grab your attention at
0: the beginning. And yeah. they,
1: they, they did. It was a great attention grabber, but mm-hmm. they never topped it.
0: Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, okay. Um, Guess it, what's
1: going to win best acting <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I think that one's going to be <laughs> unanimous. I had to ask myself, when we score these, is this, top-of-the-line effects, is this like a good made-for-TV movie? And so I really kind of tried to stick to that thought when I scored this. So bear that in mind when we come back and actually throw numbers in this column.
1: That's fair, that's fair. One thing about the spectacle that we do wrap up in the spectacle that I thought could have been better, no slight to the guy, uh, I can't remember who it was, who did the music, it was okay, it was serviceable, but it just, at some points felt not quite right. I don't know. Something about the score didn't grab me. I tend to tune in. that sort of like my thing. And for Mad Max, it just wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. I can definitely remember the musical scores from like like Fury Road with the banging drums and the fire guitar, you know. Yes, yeah. And I guess I maybe unfairly compared it to that, but it was weak in score. But anyway, this is your round, and I'm sure you've got places to take us. Let's talk about the spectacle for Under Siege. Under Siege is an interesting one for spectacle to me. Again, I'm not, the score didn't leap out at me. Again, you know, that's one of the things I always look for. I mean, it was serviceable, 90s action flick, military score, not terribly memorable for me. Cinematography, not bad, got us through. It had a good pace and it was a good thriller. And that's what's really going to help it with me on spectacle. Because, you know, when we think about spectacle, a lot of times, we say, how, how engaged are we? Are we checking our social media? Are we Kind of zoning out. I don't zone out, so that's good. Otherwise, nothing really leaps out at me. Like, I'm going to really struggle, I'm going to be honest with you, in Best Action Scene. Uh, I think I've got one maybe picked out. We'll see how you break them down. But that's not necessarily bad, because like I said, it's well-paced. I don't know. This movie's hard for me to describe. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, for me, it's
0: fairly simple. I didn't really struggle with this at all. I enjoy this movie because it has a lot of different kinds of action elements. I know we're kind of used to seeing more martial arts from Steven Seagal, but I like the gun battles. I like the improvised explosives. I like seeing all of the commando aspects that he brings into the film. I like that he's not just a one-dimensional, I'm going to, you know, martial arts my way through these guys, but uses his brain and sets traps and figures out how to link up communications back with his allies back at headquarters and starts coordinating his efforts and things like that. So yeah, it kind of did have a blend of both action and thriller aspects into it, which I I really appreciated. I thought that the backdrop of the battleship was really cool. Always kind of like Danger Around Every Corner kind of vibe to it. Just having the massive steel gray battleship on there just was really, really cool to me. And then you introduce the submarine scene, which I thought was pretty cool as well. So all in all, there's just a lot of great spectacle, tremendous action and thriller elements kind of thrown into a blender. And you'll get a good score out of me on this one. So speaking of scores, let's do it. What are you giving Mad Max? I'm actually going to give Mad Max,
1: even with its low budget. Did a lot with what it had. Could give it a seven.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, We're not too close on this one, Jared. I landed on a five. I think there uh, was a lot
1: of... Five for Mad Max? Defend yourself, sir.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. The spectacle for the movie was just underwhelming. <clears throat> okay, first of all, apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> now, like I said, I think they opened kind of strong, and then I think they blew their budget. <laughs> and so we were just kind of left with a long period where nothing happens. It is the slowest chase of a biker gang against a family that is so slow. Family doesn't even know it's being chased. (laughs) (laughs) The pacing was not good. And the final scene was very underwhelming. I think they opened strong and then it kind of lost its pace along the way. And like I said, even in 1980, had I seen better made-for-TV movies? Heck yeah, I'd seen better made-for-TV movie action than this. So I went with middle of the road. All right. Sorry, man. Had to be honest. Now let me get this 10 ready for
1: under siege. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm just teasing. What did you give the spectacle for under siege, Jared? I do suspect this is going to be our first non-match game for under siege because we've matched in the first three rounds. I'm at a seven. I thought it was good. Just good. It was good and solid, but nothing leaps out at me as super memorable.
0: You know, I went and gave it an eight. So we were pretty close on this one, and I'll tell you why. We had martial arts. We had gunfights, really cool gunfights. We had jumping out of a cake. We had Bernie Casey. Not enough. We had a man killed with an I-beam. Yes. That That was was good. (laughs) Killing an I-beam. We had a battle with a submarine. We had a ragtag crew that was put together that syncs said submarine with the battleship's main guns. And then we had a pretty good knife fight at the end between uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal. So you mix all that up together. Great pacing. I never messed with my phone once. And I've seen this movie a few times. And yeah, I can easily give it an eight.
1: I think it's fair. Unlike your Mad Max score, I think that's yeah. Maybe my Mad Max score (laughs) is a little low, but you know, let the listeners decide. You know, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at AFO Podcast and let us know. You know, the spectacle of the original Mad Max film—you can look at it through a couple different lenses. Let us know what lens you're looking at through, and tell us what your score is of one to ten. Now, Paul, just throwing this out
0: (laughs) no home cooking here.
1: All right, that's the end of Spectacle Round. Let's get into the final official round, which is Best Action Scene.
2: If you're up to me, I'd just kill you.
1: And as usual, this is per the script, my round. But Jason usually uh, has backed himself into the corner of having to come up with clever names for action scenes. What you got for me for Mad Max? How'd you break it down? Really only three scenes here.
0: Number one is The Night Rider. I call that one, Night Rider goes into that good night.
1: <laughs> good. Yep.
0: He didn't make it. Number two, and I had to stretch to call this one, it's when Jim Goose gets kind of tracked down and killed. Yeah. And I called that, Jim Goose gets cooked. Ah, I was going to suggest Goose is cooked. All right, good. <laughs> good, good. Uh, and then the third act, when the family is killed, I called that one, Max gets mad.
1: Fair enough. And that's really the only three. Did I miss anything in there? Other than Goose wails on a lawyer and his client. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't really, like, that wasn't even a fight. That was the client, um, like, talking
0: smack, getting smacked. I mean, rest.
1: yeah, there was, like, the bad guys r- in those people in the red car, which was just hard to watch. And, yeah, and, uh, I didn't. I would, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I think you did right. Of those three, which one did you pick? Which one did I pick? We all know which one we both picked. Knight Rider Rider goes into that good night. We all know we're doing that one. Yeah, the opening scene is quite the grabber, but you're right. They they never top it. You know, it's not like, you know, my favorite action film face-off movie, perhaps of all time, Blade, which has the bloodbath at the beginning, but then it also has the excellent sword fight at the end in the vampire temple. So it's like, at least you get that. Yeah, they bookended that. Yeah, that's the word. Bookended. Yeah. All right. Under Siege, how did you break it down? Good luck with that. This one was actually fairly easy once I thought about it.
0: Okay. So the first one is kind of the opening fight in the galley after he gets out of the freezer, right? Yeah. I called that one Hogan's Galley. (laughs) Okay, not bad. And then after that, he kind of runs into Miss July there. He goes to take out the helicopter. I just called that one Get to the Choppa. Get to the Choppa, right? And then three when the sub gets there and he has to go disable the sub and he makes kind of that homemade uh, explosive and he goes and disables the sub. I called that one sub hunt. And then this is pretty much the most difficult one because that led into the big battle where he and his ragtag crew go to rescue the crewmen that are being flooded in the foxhole. So he has to go and he like goes down all these corridors and he, kills everybody, and then he ends up in the maintenance bay, and he drops an I-beam on somebody, and then he knife fights a whole bunch of people. I called that one, Zero Days Since Our Last Accident. <laughs> right. And then finally, they have to sink the sub. And this is probably more thriller than action, but I threw it in there, because I really like the line, and I just stole it for this one. We still got shells for those. <laughs> I thought that was good. So after they sink the sub... Then Tommy Lee Jones loses his ass, sends everybody away. He and Casey Ryback fight on the battle bridge. And I called that one heads up on radar. He <laughs> smashes his head yeah, into Tom, the radar. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it. that was my favorite one. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Okay. Of all those, which one did you select?
0: I selected zero days since our last accident. I just saw
1: a man impaled with an I-beam. <laughs> yeah, same here. That was the coolest thing ever. Same here, although I will have some things to say in the next round. <laughs> there is no next round. We're done. Uh, but hey, let's go back. We both picked the opening scene of Mad Max Knight Rider, goes into that sweet night. One to 10, what'd you give it? This particular scene gets a seven from me. I
0: thought this was very well done with the budget that
1: they had. Match game number six for this episode. I also gave it a seven. Great. Car stunt work, very engaging and exciting to watch. All right, we both picked Zero days Since Last Accident. (laughs) Yep, yep.
0: And what'd you score? I had to give that one an eight. I actually winced a couple times. We like stabbed that guy in the armpit. He's like, like, oh, that hurts. We had a guy that got his shoulder like severed by (laughs) bandsaw. And uh, and I mentioned we had a man impaled with an I-beam. Yeah, we, yeah, you did,
1: but it's it was definitely the highlight of all that. <laughs> so I gave that one an eight. I really liked that scene. Close. I have it at a seven. I liked it okay, although they will have some things to say about it later. <laughs> so <laughs> we are close. Seven and an eight, and that is the end of round five. All right. So I'll round us out here with round
0: six. to my Round six. This is kind of where we balance everything out. We call this one the deduction round there's some things in these movies that sometimes get so ridiculous and you can't quite fit it into one of the other categories. You know, this is where you can do some deduction and I've on more than one occasion have used this for an addition round for the same reasons. Cause you know, we're about positivity here on action film face off. So you can give it a positive bump up too. So round six deduction, adduction, addition, you plus it <laughs> minus it you minus, adjust. it. you minus it plus it deducted adjusted there you go <laughs> jared what are you doing for mad max any uh justin here
1: minus one because it doesn't have bernie casey in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding you know i got minus zero plus zero everything was fine as far as my scoring went and nothing leapt out at me as being ridiculous uh those, those bulging eyes at the end right before i got ran over were kind of funny but not ridiculous enough for me to do a minus anything
0: yeah, I'm the same way. I feel like I addressed everything in the scores, had nothing to adjust here. What about Under Siege? Anything there? You oh. kind of alluded that maybe <clears throat> two things.
1: Fire away. Here we go. All right. I've got a total of minus two. I will break it down. Minus one, for even though it was in my favorite action scene, for just ridiculously stupid and I know I'm a hypocrite because I didn't subtract anything from El Mariachi, so don't even go there, but <laughs> a ridiculously stupid gunplay from this Navy SEALs. He's running down the corridors, he's got his submachine guns crossed, and he's shooting fires, he's running down the corridors, down the perpendicular corridors, and I'm like, you and I both know that's not how tactics work, that's not how SEALs work. You know, you hug the wall, quick glance your corner, then you shoot your targets, move on to the other side of the wall. You know, it's a it's a deliberate planned execution. It's not running down a hallway, <laughs> shooting around to your left and right, and hoping for the best, because you ain't gonna hit a damn thing. We all know that. And while I do love that in, in some action movies, I think I let it stuff like El Mariachi get away with it, because it's not a military action movie. This guy is a military SEAL, and his weapons tactics did not reflect that in that scene, which is weird, because in a couple of other scenes, especially when he was doing pistol work, not bad. Not bad at all. Just that A little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'd push back a little bit on
0: that. You know, that's one of those things, because the weapons that he has are really two submachine guns. Mm -hmm. And he's in tight quarters, and he's on a metal ship. So I think that that's one of those things where he really needs speed. He needs speed and as much firepower as he possibly can get. And plus, he can deflect bullets off of the, the metal walls. So that's probably what he's thinking. He's going down there. And Steven Seagal is, is an expert weapons handler. So I think that if something was too crazy, he probably would have called it out. Now, I will agree with you. It's pretty crazy. He didn't get shot. Yeah. <laughs> Doing that. But, you know, the weapons handling thing, I didn't really have that much of a problem with the fact that he didn't get shot facing all those guys. That's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief. So I can get behind you on that one there.
1: All right. Well, he gets minus one for non tactically gun use in that scene. The other minus one is actually a X film face off. First, I had like a minus one half. I was like, eh, that kind of annoyed me, but I'm gonna let it go. But then I had another minus one half, so I combined them for a minus one. Okay, all right. All right. This is a combination of two things: one minus one half for that weird shoehorned in moment of, hey Casey, show us a move. How about this move? And then he kisses the girl, and it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. That did not get built up in any way. I, I we're gonna have trauma sex, y'all. <laughs> uh, I um like it just felt weird. It felt like, well, we need to we need to make sure that our hero gets with the girl. And I'm like, you know, I could have seen him like maybe, you know, get like a date, like an arrange a date at the end of it, but like that kiss just felt weird and forced, and like all of his dude bros were hanging out, and it was like he was showing off, it was just weird. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: now I didn't take a point off there, but I kind of wish I would. I guess I kind of forgot that scene. But now that you bring it up, yeah, that is kind of awkward.
1: It it didn't feel natural. Like if they had built some more chemistry between the two of them throughout the film, I could see it where like she was clearly interested in him. But I never got that vibe that she was clearly interested in him. I I mean, I got the vibe that she liked him and trusted him. But romantically, I never got that vibe. And it just felt it felt forced. So I was like, eh, I don't like that, but I'm not going to take off a point for it. It was just weirdly shoehorned in, in the back of my mind. half a point. Here comes the other half of a point. And this is just a bugaboo for me. One of my specialties in combat self-defense is knife fighting. So I pay closer attention to knife fighting in films than I should. It is my weird nerdery. And the knife fight in this one was between Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal was ridiculously laughable. From that point of view, from a filmmaker, like it was fun to watch a, a, in a film, right? You watch it and it's entertaining, but as a knife fight specialist, it was ridiculous. So many bad things that I I, I mean, th- he bit the other guy's <laughs> knife, okay? He bit Tommy Lee Jones's knife as like a defense. That does not work, okay? He, Tommy Lee Jones just moves his. And a little bit left and right. Next thing you know, we saw in this dude's jaw. Well, but he he bought he didn't bite on the blade end. He I bit on the top end. A I think he did,
0: <laughs> but, but, but B even if he didn't, it's not a defense move, Hold on, folks. We got to go watch this last
1: act <laughs> <laughs> again. Entertaining to watch as just a casual viewer, like oh, he bit that dude's knife. That's pretty funny. But as a knife fighter, the thing that drove me nuts the most. Free knife fighting tip for everybody out there. Each one of them has a knife. Their other hand that they're using supposedly for defense, they're always palm out. Knife fighting tip of the day, ladies and gentlemen, if you're fighting with knives, palm always in, always in. Because number one rule of knife fighting is you're going to get cut. You have to know that going in. So if you're going to get cut, you want to get cut on the back of your arm, not on the inside of your forearm. Because you get the cut on the back of your arm. That's okay. It's superficial. You get a good cut on the inside of your forearm. You can no longer make a fist you cut those ligaments and tendons, you can't make a fist anymore. Your hand becomes useless. Always palm in, never palm out. And they were both palm out the whole time and it was just driving me nuts. That is my weird nerdery military combat training bugaboo for today. (laughs) I know it's stupid, which is why I said only a half point. So in the end, a total of two point deduction, one for bad tactical gun use, half a point for a forced kiss and half a point for bad technical knife fighting. Oh, by the way, If you want to know more about that, you can go on YouTube and check out a pretty cool little account called Scenic Fights. Scenic Fights did a rundown of this exact fight scene, by the way, on YouTube. It's called Knife Expert Breaks Down Steven Seagal's Under Siege Knife Fight, and it's by Scenic Fights. That guy is also a knife fighting expert. He's very good. He never brings up the palm thing, which really bothered me, but he brings up a lot of other highly questionable things they actually rated this fight an f on on scenic fights but it's about seven or eight minute video if you're if if this incoherent rambling i just gave you is interesting to you at all go check that video out it's quite good
0: no i was pretty interested in it because uh, you know i i'm not a knife fighting expert by any stretch of the imagination my job was to shoot people before they got within knife range
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i realized the irony of of me being the air force officer. My odds of ever being in a knife fight, extremely low. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, but I don't like, know. I've seen you when there's like one last piece of cake
0: there. Like <laughs> <nine to three. laughs>
1: Get your blade, son. <laughs> but that was just one of the specialties that my sensei trained me in and it's just always stuck with me. Anyway, back to you, Jason. Deduction. I went on for a long time. Deductions on Under Siege. I
0: had one deduction and one addition. So it all oh, kind of <laughs> zeroes out uh, addition plus one bernie casey correct okay
1: that is correct bernie
0: so casey gets a plus one just him to- enough man i, I mean, know man did
1: you even spot him again after the opening scenes because I, I was see.
0: looking too i, was I know I was too. he probably had to go do another movie you know that guy was just <laughs> all over the place <laughs> but at any rate so plus one bernie casey minus one for whatever the
1: heck that salute was at the end of the movie did you see that salute the salute they closed the movie on it went to black yeah i remember the salute but i guess i wasn't paying enough attention you're gonna have to tell me what was wrong with it that dude's fingers were like going in all different directions
0: (laughs) like it was a mangled weather vane. i was like get the salute right if
1: you're gonna do a salute i mean it's a closing shot i suppose you should nail it you know close up too and they had Captain Dale Die, who's like a military advisor on tons of movies, was in the movie. Yeah, he was unforgivable, man. Uh, so, Successful. like, what were you doing that day,
0: Captain Die? <laughs> maybe that's the best he could get. It maybe
1: like, <laughs> they were nah, like, just nah. take it, just take it, take that. Can I just give a high five. I don't yeah. know. Can... Well, I mean, they they let the stripper girl wear a sailor's uniform for the ceremony. <laughs> Why was she in a sailor's uniform for that ceremony? I know. Yeah. <laughs> So minus one plus one, so zero for me. That's it. Score it. All right. That's the end of our official rounds. So while I'm tabulating these scores, I just want to remind everybody that if you picked six for your match game, you're a big winner. We matched six out of ten times tonight. I didn't think we would as much. I didn't either. I thought we were going to be... We matched uh, three times in Under Siege, three times in Mad Max. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. And I just want to be very clear. I do that. Okay. Laurel does not do that. (laughs) No matter what Jason thinks.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was just about to send her a text.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, looking at the judges' scorecards. The winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 70 to 67, only a three-point spread. It's Under
2: Siege.
0: Nobody beats him in the kitchen.
1: Apparently not. He
0: also cooks. (laughs) Well, congratulations to Under Siege. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from...
2: Choose Your Destiny.
0: 1976. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 1998. And what will those films be? We'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, Dave. And I hope the rest of you, or you can tune in next episode to find out until then I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrick, And you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram.
1: And you can find me Jared Albrick, AKA the death probe on social media somewhere. Good luck with that. Be sure to check out all of the shows under the long box crusade umbrella by subscribing to long box crusade on iTunes, Google plays, all your finer podcasters and some of the more shabby ones. We don't discriminate. You can also check directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up at social media, at long box crusade, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And on Twitter, we have a specific account just for this show. It's at AFFO podcast. Give us a shout. Want to interact with us, with live chat, be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles. Join us for our next episode of Doing It Live stream over on YouTube, second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can sign up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel. Click the bell so you get reminder notifications of when we go live. Woo! With that out of the way, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down.
0: And your knuckles up.
1: You're Calm in if you're nice. Calm okay. in. Calm in. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 9 9. You will not regret it. I do. I do.
0: Australian Mike. I know. I was no trying to okay. hold on, here. Wait, here's mine.
1: One film leaves. <laughs> got it that hushed voice. <laughs> I got you.
0: He drives it because he likes it.
1: Edit <laughs> that out. Dansky. Getting edited out. <laughs> keep singing all you want. I'm, <laughs> I'm not Pat Sampson. <clears throat> here we go. Yeah, I did that paper
0: shuffle thing. I, I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I won't judge you. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I'm only human. (laughs) In his own way.